Wow, how good was that? Isn't that wonderful to see our uh, history as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of Bayside Church? So good to see some of our history and more to come uh, very, very shortly. Special good morning to everyone at our Frankston campus joining us over this 25th anniversary weekend. I want to thank you particularly, uh, Frankston congregation, so many of you who came last night for our big celebration and what a wonderful night that was. This morning, I'm going to share with you the very first sermon that I preached at Bayside Church this morning, 25 years ago. We started just a small group of people uh, in the funeral parlor in Cheltenham, W.D. Rosenson's Funeral Chapel. And uh, I started the church with a six-week series on joy. Really wanted to make sure that our foundation at Bayside, obviously our foundation in Jesus um, but, and our foundation in faith, but our foundation in the church was that of joy. And so I started with a six-week series called The Joy of the Lord. And uh, I've kept all my notes uh, from the last 25 years. And so I got this out during the week and I hope you can see this okay. Uh, but what we've got here is five, uh, four um, handwritten pages and uh, they've all gone beautifully yellow. And this is what my sermons looked like um, back in 1992. And I'm going to be preaching this sermon from these notes this morning. I've made hardly any alterations to these. And uh, I just want to share the Word of God with you today. This is part one of the series, The Joy of the Lord. If you uh, have your Bibles with you or your smart devices, I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 15. And just while you're finding that, um, I, I, I made this statement in 1992, right on the first day of Bayside, and I said, I believe God wants Bayside Church to be a church which is full of the joy of the Lord. And I quoted from Cole Stringer, who's a wonderful Australian preacher, and he said this, all over the world, God is raising up a new brand of believer across all denominational barriers, classes, colours and creeds. These churches are on fire with the love, zeal and life of God. Their music is bright, anointed and full of life and the preaching is alive and full of the Word of God. So the people are flocking in. And that's what we found here at Bayside over the last 25 years is that as we provide opportunity for people to worship as we teach faithfully God's Word week after week, as we provide a community of love and forgiveness and acceptance and uh, joy, we find people just coming in. People love the presence of God. They love the joy of the Lord. And so in this message, I'm going to unpack for you a few questions. First of all, what is joy? Let's define joy. The Greek word we find in the New Testament for joy means delight, exaltation, exuberance, gladness, rejoicing, happiness, cheerfulness. It means to be of good cheer. I love some of those words. They, they sound like they mean you've got exuberance. Uh, you can't be flattened uh, uh, and, and sad when you've got exuberance. There's joy. The Hebrew word that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures or our Old Testament means to go about being bright and shining. Now, 
That doesn't mean that you have to walk around all the time with some sort of sickly grin on your face. I'm sure we've all met people like that and they can be rather annoying. To be bright and shining. We need to pick our moment too. Like not everyone is a morning person and not everyone is a night person. I'm a morning person. I love to get up early. I do my, I, I'm my best and I do my best first thing in the morning and through the morning and then through the day I start to fade. I can get up in the morning and I can be bright and shining, but I tell you what, that would really irritate the vast majority of the rest of my family who are nice people. And so we need to pick our moments. But joy, bright and shining. Uh, For me, I get up in the morning and I say, good morning, Lord. But then most of the rest of my family get up and go, good Lord, it's morning. And so we don't go around being sickly sweet, but joy is to be bright and shining in our personality. Now, first of all, joy is a characteristic of God. And if you look at Luke chapter 15, hopefully you've all found that now, Luke chapter 15, and Jesus is giving three stories here, three parables to illustrate uh, a point of what God is like, what the kingdom of God is like. And it's in response to some people who did not know about joy. So let's have a look at this. Uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Now tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That was a way of saying uh, all of the undesirable people uh, in society. The tax collectors were the wealthy, um, slightly criminal sort of group. They were maybe the underbelly crowd of Jesus' day. And then the sinners were the down and out. They were the poor, um, often people whose behaviour was frowned on uh, by the religious establishment of the day. And we find constantly through the Gospels, these tax collectors and sinners, the up and out and the down and out, were hanging out with Jesus, gathering around him. And then the religious people come along. In verse 2, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious crowd, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was meant as an insult. And so Jesus responds to their lack of joy, the, the bar humbug spirit, which unfortunately is still alive and well, uh, even in the church, where people come along, the religious come along, and they look at you trying to hang out and reach out to people that are, are classed as undesirable to the church, even in 2017. And the religious will uh, give you a lot of flack for hanging out with those sort of people and welcoming them. Uh, into the church to journey with Jesus. They still have this bar humbug. It's an anti-joy spirit that goes with some of these people. And so Jesus tells these stories, uh, these three stories, to tell us what God is like, what the Father is like. He said um, in verse 4, suppose one of you had a 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbours together and he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's story number one. Then he goes on to story number two. This is the parable of the lost coin. The first was the parable of the lost sheep. 
In verse 8, it says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, rejoice with me, be joyful with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, to be in the presence of the angels of God is talking about God the Father. God the Father is the God of joy. He is joyful and He rejoices when people come home to Him. And then He goes on in the final few verses of that chapter and uh, that very well-known parable of the lost son. Now, the oldest son, the older brother, had the same spirit of the tax sorry of the of the religious people the sadducees and the and the teachers of the law uh, he had a bar humbug spirit he came back from his work and he hears all this music and celebration and he gets a really bad attitude and uh, the father comes to him and he says these words we had to celebrate and be glad it's the right thing to do your, your brother's come home sure he's done wrong things but he's come back and, he's, and, and it's right for us to celebrate. And that's the attitude that we should have. And that's the attitude that God displays. He is a good God and He is a God of joy. Now, if you have a look at Hebrews chapter 1, and we'll put this on the screen for you, uh, we find out that not only is joy a characteristic of God the Father, but joy is also a characteristic of God the Son, of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 18, uh, sorry, 8 and 9, it says... Uh, but about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. And then have a look at this. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, in other words, God the Father, saying to God the Son, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Jesus is a man of joy. He was anointed with the oil of joy. And as you read the Gospels, you, you see over and over and over again that Jesus was a man of joy. He was the sort of person that attracted people. The tax collectors and sinners who the religious establishment of the day would have nothing to do with, Jesus engaged with them. He ate with them. He taught them. He drew them toward God. He was attractive. He was a man of joy. You know, the Bible records that Jesus wept. That's because it was news. Jesus was not normally a sad man. He wept and it records that on one occasion. It never says that Jesus laughed because it wasn't news. He was a happy man. He, kids were attracted to him. Children are not attracted to someone who's got a long, sour face. Children are attracted to people that smile and laugh and will pick them up and hug them. And, and, and that's what Jesus was like. He was a man of joy. He was anointed with the oil of joy. And so the Father and the Son, God is a God of joy. Joy is a characteristic of God. And so is the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And, and we won't turn to that, but it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit being the produce of, of the Holy Spirit and the second characteristic of the fruit or the, or, or the produce of the Holy Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And so joy is a characteristic of God. Secondly, joy is a characteristic of the Christian. Robert Schuller said this, a Christian is a mirror 
that reflects the character of Christ. Christians and the church should reflect the character of God. God is a God of love. The church should be a church of love. God is a God of joy. The church should be a church of joy. Christian people, we need to reflect joy, the joy of the Lord to the people around us. Sadly, that's not always the case. Uh, When I was a younger person, uh, while I was still an atheist, I didn't believe in God and I wasn't particularly appreciative of the church either. Uh, And and a very big part of that was because I saw a lot of sadness uh, in in people's faces uh, who called themselves Christian. They had this long, droopy mouth. Bless God. They had deep joy, very deep, never came out. I think it's tragic that that's been the picture of the church to the world. We, should, we are the happiest people on the planet, or at least we should be, because we know our sins are forgiven and we know that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, that, of course, doesn't mean to say that there aren't times of sadness. The Bible tells, that we, tells us that we should weep with those who weep, but there, are still, there will still be that underlying character of joy which strengthens us even through the hard times. Now, there are two types of joy. Let's touch on these just quickly. First of all, there is natural joy. This is an elevated state of mind when the circumstances of life are favourable. This is emotion-based. And so something good happens. Uh, You win the lotto. Someone agrees with you. Uh, You're getting your own way. Uh, you, go to, you go to work and the boss says, how about we give you a pay rise? Uh, there's good things that happen to you in life. And so as a result of good circumstances, emotion-based joy or happiness, natural joy kicks in. Now, there's nothing wrong with this kind of joy. In as far as it goes, the challenge is it actually doesn't go far enough. We need to actually be very careful that we don't base our lives on natural joy. Feelings are wonderful. I love it when I'm feeling good. I love it when I'm feeling joyful. But if you're anything like me, natural joy is not something that you have all the time. Sometimes you have a rotten day. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes bad things happen around you. Uh, Maybe you've got relationship difficulties or whatever. And situations are tough. And, and, And so your natural joy will come and go. And if you base your faith and your your Christian life, if you base it on natural joy, you will have an up and down experience as a Christian. You will be what, what I would refer to as a roller coaster Christian. And everything's okay, but not okay. And everything's all right again, but oh dear, it's not so good. And we've got to be really, really careful that we don't live lives like that because natural joy is okay in as far as it goes, but it doesn't go far enough. And we cannot base our Christian life on natural joy, on our feelings. And so the second type of joy is very important. And that's what the sort of joy that the Bible is talking about when it talks about spiritual joy. Now, spiritual joy is the even state of the born-again human spirit that is not dependent on circumstances. So important that we get this. Spiritual joy is word-based. It's about the Bible. It's what the Word of God 
has to say to us and that's what we base our lives on. Um, natural joy will come and go. It'll be high and low, high and low, high and low. But there's this beautiful sense, Selwyn Hughes in uh, Every Day with Jesus, he talked about spiritual poise. It's this beautiful sense of evenness that spiritual joy brings into our life. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. There's this, this sense of poise, this sense of evenness in our lives. That's what we need to base our our lives on, the spiritual joy. Spiritual joy comes from within our spirit and is produced by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the fruit of the Spirit, the produce of the Spirit that grows within us. And so how do we cultivate this fruit of joy? Let me touch on a few things before we finish up today. How do we cultivate the fruit of the joy? So joy is not automatic in the Christian life. It must always be cultivated. And this process continues throughout your entire Christian experience. First of all, you need to sow seeds. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, or if you haven't done this yet, then you can do it before the service finishes today. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, a seed is sown on the inside. The fruit of the Spirit in seed form is planted on the inside of you. And so in seed form, you have love, you have joy, peace. Gentleness, long-suffering, kindness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is, is living on the inside of you. This is Christ's character um, sown into our spirit by the Holy Spirit when we are born again. And, and as we continue our journey with Jesus, more of these seeds of joy and love and the fruit of the Spirit can be sown within our heart. That's the sowing of the seed. But we need to then till the soil. Uh, the tilling of the soil is like our prayer life, our, our devotional life, the times that we spend uh, with the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, Break up your fallowed or your untilled ground and do not sow among thorns. And so here the prophet is talking about the, the, the nature of the soil of our heart or our spirit. Uh, when, when ground is unfallowed, when it hasn't been tilled, it becomes hard. And, and, and it can become stony and it can become impermeable and where seed doesn't put down roots and grow up strong. And so constantly in our lives, we need to make sure that we till the soil of our heart. We're confessing our sin to the Lord. We're receiving His forgiveness. We're making sure that no root of bitterness grows in us. We're making sure that stony and rocky and thorny attitudes uh, like Jesus talked about in the parable of the sower, that all of these things are dealt with on a regular basis through prayer, through worship, through time in His Word, constantly plowing up that ground so that when the seeds of the Spirit are, are sown into the ground or the soil of our heart, that they have good ground to be sown into because it's only seed that's sown on good ground that will bear much fruit. And so through all of these ways, we keep, the till, we keep tilling the soil of our heart. The next thing this seed needs is food and water. And in the Bible, the Word of God is called food and it is called water. A couple of weeks ago in the Lord's Prayer series, we looked at Jesus and the, and the bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
The, the, the Word of God is our daily food. We need to feed the seed. It's fertilizer for the seeds of the Spirit that have been sown within us. The Word of God is also water. In Ephesians 5 and 26, it talks about the washing of water by the Word of God. And so as you open up your Bibles, as you, as you read Scripture, it doesn't necessarily mean you understand it all, but as you're reading Scripture, there is something spiritual, something supernatural as you feed the, feed the seed on the inside of you through uh, fertilizer and the washing of the Word of God, those things, those characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit will grow within you. The fourth thing you need to cultivate the fruit of joy is patience. And so when you plant a seed, it takes time for it to grow. Uh, I love my garden. I, I love planting stuff. I planted a herb garden a little while ago. But you know, when you first start up, there's the, all you can see is soil. And, and, and you make sure it has the proper treatment, water it and fertilize it on a regular basis. Uh, but it takes time. You know, after several days, I don't go out of there and, and, and look and say, oh, well, there's nothing growing. Dig the seed up to see whether or not it started to germinate. Because if you do that, you'll kill the seed. But no, you just keep it under there because you know that if you've planted it, and to look after it, that the odds are that it'll grow over the process of time. And what I have now in my herb garden is beautiful. I've got this lovely coriander growing. I've got parsley. I've got basil. All these different herbs growing really, really well. Some chilies. But it's taken time. And it's the same with joy in James. And chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another. It's very hard to be joyful and grumble at the same time. Have you noticed that? If you're grumbling against one another and about one another, then joy is absent. But he says, let's just be patient. The seed's been sown. We're going to water it and feed it on a regular basis. We're going to make sure that the ground of our heart is well cared for. And over the process of time, spiritual joy will grow and bear fruit in our lives. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then may I encourage you to do that today. Open up your life to Him and allow Him to supernaturally sow the fruit of the Spirit, including joy, into your heart and life. If you are already a Christian, then put God's Word into practice and you will experience the joy of your life, a joy of the Lord in your life every day. Spiritual joy that will keep you even in life. I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat this prayer after me, if you would. I'm going to say it line by line, and let's pray this prayer together. This is a prayer of commitment and receiving afresh the joy of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and repeat this after me. I thank you, Father, that you are the God of joy. When I entered into relationship with you, I received your joy as a seed in my spirit. Your joy is in me. And it is not dependent on the circumstances I find myself in. 
whether things are good or bad around me. You are always the same. You do not change. You will never leave me or forsake me. Your joy is a constant in my life. Fill me with your spirit, the spirit of joy. Help me to cultivate this joy because your joy is my strength. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to watch the uh, final part of Bayside Church's history right now. So God bless you to our Frankston congregation this morning. I will see you live next weekend. God bless.